Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Uh, it's good to see everybody back. Oh, there I am. There I am. Oh, it's so good to see each and every one of you. In the case that we haven't had the uh, pleasure of meeting, my name is Steve, and I'm one of the uh, teaching team here, and I just want to uh, say how grateful I am uh, to have the opportunity to, you know, serve God in this way by, you know, having a conversation. You know, these last few weeks, we have been uh, talking about, you know, what, what, what are we saying? And we've been looking at these words that are familiar with us in the church context, and we're really taking the opportunity to really just kind of drive down and see um, what these words mean for not just us, but the world at large, and, and um, how do we apply those words, especially in this context. And the word, um, I mean, we've, we talked about priesthood of believers. We've talked about um, abundance, which Alvia knocked it out the park last week. Thank you, bro. Um, we, we have talked about the word Christian um, and just, you know, so many other words. And, and I remember the last word, uh, you know, I had was that of salvation, and that was challenging. But it's funny, the word that we're going to go into now, um, I feel it is as challenging as the other word. Um, it's, just, it's just in a different way. And so today we're going to look at the word compassion. Compassion. And as we look at that word, I mean, we could see this past week of, you know, where we are as it relates to what's going on outside of um, our world, as it relates to what's going on all around the world when it comes to, you know, Afghanistan and the destabilization um, of government there and the people now that are being oppressed uh, in that land to the country of Haiti, where my parents are from, and them uh, encountering another earthquake. Um, and they were still, I remember when the first earthquake happened, I was there a month after that, and, and um, it was just devastating, the first earthquake, and that is still something that they are even recovering from, 20, that 2010 earthquake, not to even mention the fact that a few months ago, their prime minister was assassinated. And so we can just imagine just the level of, of suffering and hardship of those people. Bring it even here where we as a country, I mean the world too, but we're all still dealing with COVID. And uh, us thinking that it was something behind the rearview mirror, but it's now beginning to rear its ugly heads up. And if that doesn't make it any worse, now our kids are starting to be more affected by this as they're starting to go back to school. And that's not even to mention the that's not even to mention the deteriorating public discourse around politics and around social injustice. And we look at all these things that are going on in our world, and yet it is this world that God asks each and every one of us as his children is to be compassionate. And it's not the type of compassion where we're talking about, hey, you know what? Thoughts and prayers. God bless. It's something more than that. 
It's something deeper. And so just to take a look at how God views compassion and how much of that is part of his character, let's go ahead and take a look at a video and we'll go into this word a little further. If you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. The very first word used in this description of God is compassionate, or in Hebrew, rachum. This word also appears as a noun, rachamim, or compassion. And what's fascinating is that both of these words are related to the Hebrew word for womb, rechem. So compassion in the Hebrew Bible is centered on a person's core, and the word invites us to imagine a mother's tender feelings for her vulnerable infant. So rahum is a word that conveys intense emotion. Sometimes it's even translated as deeply moved, like in the story of King Solomon who meets two women who've just given birth. One of their babies sadly dies, but then both women claim that the baby still living is theirs. As a test, Solomon says to cut the baby in two and give each mother a half. And the baby's real mother is deeply moved. She would rather the other woman take her baby than see her child die. And it's her compassion that reveals that she's the true mother. But rahum isn't just an emotional word. It also involves action. And surprisingly, the word is used most often to describe God's actions motivated by his emotions. Like when the Israelites are suffering and oppressed in Egypt, God hears their cries and is compelled by his compassion, his rachamim, to rescue them. Then, as the Israelites travel through the dangerous wilderness, they're hungry and thirsty. And God is rachum, caring for them as his own child. He provides everything they need, food, water, and clothing, as he personally guides them. So it's no surprise that when Yahweh reveals his character to the Israelites in the wilderness, he begins by saying he's compassionate. But despite Yahweh's continual rachamim, the Israelites turn away from him time and again. They reject Yahweh's compassion and instead give their allegiance to other gods. And rather than showing compassion to each other, they do violence. And their rebellion results in exile, and they're scattered among the nations. And it's in this dark moment in Israel's story that we come to the book of Isaiah, where Yahweh compares himself to a mother full of rachamim toward her baby. He says, can a mother forget her nursing child or have no compassion or rachamim on the child of her womb? Even if she forgets, I will not forget you. God is full of motherly compassion and he will rescue his people. And as you read further in Isaiah, you realize that God is going to do this by entering into the suffering of humanity. And this points forward to a time when Jesus comes on the scene. He is Yahweh's deep compassion become human. In Greek, the word compassion is oiktirmos. And as Jesus embraces the sick and cares for the outcast, he is deeply moved by human suffering. Jesus compares himself to a mother hen using her wings to shield her chicks from danger as he gathers people into his embrace. 
and in the ultimate expression of oitirmas, Jesus is moved by compassion to enter into humanity's suffering, into death itself, to rescue and bring us near to God. And it's this same life of compassion that Jesus calls his followers to imitate, allowing ourselves to be moved by the pain of others, to embrace the hurting, and to participate in relieving suffering in the world. In this way, we too can embody the compassion of Yahweh, or in Jesus' words, be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Now you can see how fitting it is that compassionate is the first word God uses to describe himself. So when we're in pain or see others suffering, we can be certain that God is deeply moved to respond and that he's there to meet us with his deep compassion. Dave, thank you. Um, what, what, what strikes me about this video is the fact that because of God's love for us, because of God's love for this world, it compels him to do something. It pushes him to do something. And as we looked at the previous scripture when we opened up where um, Jesus is with his disciples overseeing the crowds, um, two things stand out as it relates to God through Christ at that moment moving forward with compassion. One of the things that I see is literally um, the word see. Because if you look at, verse 30, look at verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds. Now we look at that and says, okay, well, great. He saw a whole bunch of people. But understand that Jesus doesn't see the way we see as it relates to the crowds. Because understand, everybody in that crowd wasn't Jesus' friend. Everybody in that crowd didn't have Jesus' best interests at heart. They were all looking after themselves. They were all in it for themselves. So when Jesus saw the crowd, he saw them not just from a physical standpoint like I'm seeing you right now, but he was able to really see them and look at them and understand each and every one of them as a person. He was able to empathize with them in a way that we wouldn't even comprehend or understand. And he saw them intently and he saw them deeply. Family, can I, can I encourage you with something? If, if you get nothing else out of what we're talking about here, I want you to understand something. Understand that Jesus sees you. Think about that. Jesus sees you. He sees your pain. He sees your anguish. He sees your struggle. He sees your frustration. He sees everything about us, things that we, from an outside perspective, we can't see. See, this speaks against the notion that when God created us, he was just in the corner and he let us do things on our own. No, that's, that's not the character of God. The character of God is because he loves us so much, he's compelled to do something. And as he's compelled to do something, he reminds us that he sees us. You know, I, I 
I watched a documentary um, recently. I watched it on, on, on YouTube, and this documentary focused on homeless people. And um, interestingly enough, you know, they're asking, you know, these homeless people, hey, you know what, what, what is that you're looking for? What is that you need? Because auto automatically, you know, we, or at least I assume that, you know, when we see a homeless person, I mean, they need money, right? I mean, that's the first thing. But what I saw from their perspectives, as they were saying, uh, is that as the interviewer was talking to them, they're saying, hey, you know what? We just like people just, just to see us. Just to talk to us. And immediately, I was convicted in that because what's my first reaction when I see someone who's homeless or someone in a burst? I, I, I look away. And one of the things that I'm so grateful about Jesus is that he's not like, thank God, he's not like me. Jesus, when he sees us, his first reaction isn't to look away. His reaction is to see us. But you know what? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop there. Second thing he says, and this is in verses 37 and, uh, verses 37 and 38, specifically 38. He says, he says to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. You know what? Not only did Jesus, Jesus sees us, do you know even back then and even continuing today, he prays for us? That's amazing that even when this was happening, Jesus knew enough to know that we, everybody who's in this building right now, he knew the type of harvest that's out there. He knew what was going on in the world. That none of this catches God or Jesus, none of this catches him by surprise. But he knew exactly the harvest that is currently existing right now. And Jesus at this point takes the opportunity to pray for each and every one of us. So here's then the question for us. So then how do we then knowing what we know about Jesus seeing us and, he's even pray and he prays for us and he continues to pray for us. It wasn't a one-time deal, but even now as he's alive, he's interceding for each and every one of us. Even now, he provides for each and every one of us the Holy Spirit to walk alongside of us as we encounter the, the, the cruelty, the callousness, and the injustice of the world. How then do we respond with this type of compassion as we are interacting with the people that we work, live, and play with, those that are in our specific spheres of influence. I don't have a straight answer. I'm still trying to figure it out. However, there are two questions that come to mind as I'm navigating these waters in how do I now act with this type of compassion? Again, we're not talking about 
the, hey, you know what, man, that's, that's, that's too bad. Thoughts and prayers, you know, that's, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. That's not what God is talking about here. So then how do we act in this compassion, this God-level compassion in the world that we're living in today? So two questions come to mind. Question number one that we ask ourselves, or at least I ask myself, um, how has God recently showed his compassion and moved on our behalf? Think about it. How has God moved with his compassion? How has he moved with his compassion in our life? What does that look like? You know, um, I'm so grateful these past few weeks, you know, for, I mean, year and a half, but, um, you know, as I, I look at specifically this past few weeks and even going back further than that, um, I could really just, oh, you know, get frustrated and just, and I could just think, God, man, God, I haven't done, or I don't see God moving, or I don't see God working. But then I sit back and I think, you know what, man, thank God, we have our, I have my health. I have my family's health, even though we, we, we've had a couple of challenges there. I look at the fact that God has sustained us, that has kept us going, even though, you know, my... Uh, my, my business has, has, has gone south, but still, God still is moving in there. And, and it takes me a while, but as I think about these things, I'm able to see man, God moving in my life. And that it's not just me here. Each and every one of us, I'm sure if we take the time, we can recall the many times that God has moved his compassion in our life. God, again, isn't someone who, who is just in the distance in the background. We, we should never mistake God's silence for inactivity because the truth of the matter is he's compelled to work on our behalf because that's just who he is. The Bible says in his Exodus 34, 6, we just saw it, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And then Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, I know the majority of us know this. It says, because of, the great, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Second question, how is Jesus moving you to show his compassion to those around you, especially when it interferes with our personal agenda. Saw something interesting, and I, I know I'm running a little low, low on time, so forgive me if I can go only a few more minutes just to, just to share this, this point. I don't know if this story is relating to the one that we saw in Scripture, but in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 and 34, um, it's another instance where Jesus shows his compassion. But I thought this was interesting, and I'll, I'll just read it. It may be on the slides. Um, I have a, it is on the slides, thank you, but I have a couple of verses that I'm going to start with, and then it's going to go into this, because I think it's really important. It says, the apostles 
returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. Then, get this, then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat, 32, for a quiet place where they could be alone, but many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got ahead of them, and got ahead, there ahead of them, excuse me. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. You know, the interesting I see here is that, and this is by no means anything wrong, Jesus had an agenda at that point. I mean, we can all understand that. We all, as we call it now, we all kind of need, we all need our me, our me time. I mean, that's, and that's totally understandable. But then at that point, because the need was so great, Jesus and the disciples were willing to put aside their agenda for the sake of moving with compassion. You know, I look at my agenda. You know what my agenda is? Dang it, man. If, if we can only get to 70 80%. Can we only get to 70 80% like good immunity where it relates to COVID because once we get there, things are going to go back to normal. The business is going to come up. Everything is going to be great. Everything is going to be wonderful. Can we just get to 70-80%? And it's got to a point where I have grown intolerant of those that don't correspond with that or won't do what I think needs to be done in order for all of us to get to that 70-80%. You know what? God doesn't care about a number. He cares about people. He doesn't care about affiliations. He doesn't care about political agendas. Heck, he doesn't give so much, he doesn't care so much even about my agenda. He cares about people. And because he cares about people, he was willing to put aside his own agenda just so we could have a relationship and be in community with him. Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. That's my cue. Perfect. So with that being said, <laughs> they're like, code red, code red. We got to get out code red. <laughs> Is there literally like fire? Then I mean, <laughs> no. okay. So it's all good. It's all good. So with that being said, what then does it look like us as we land the plane and as we think about 
this. What then does it look like each and every one of us to operate at the level of compassion that God would have us to act? Maybe it's just giving someone a smile. Maybe it's just spending time with someone, like really listening to them. Okay, I got you. We're we're, we're ending. (laughs) Let's, if that's an Amber Alert, let's just really pray that that gets resolved. Let's let's, honestly, because that's, that's, there's something, there's something going on there. There's something going on there. Let's take the moment to, to recognize that. But as we end, how is God calling you to be compassionate to those? Maybe you're here and you'd be like, man, you know what? I just, Steve, I just, I don't have the strength. Like, I just, there's just too much going on. I don't have, I just, I, I get it. I, I'm with you. I, I get it. But again, re- remind yourself or ask yourself the question. How's God moved in your life? Are we adopting his mindset and seeing his people? And then how is God, as agents of compassion, how is he moving us in the lives of those in which we live, work, and play? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, because of your compassion you sent your son, Jesus, to give up his life and to die for us. We're grateful to you, Lord God, and I I pray, Lord, that we are willing to put aside our own agendas and that you would help us to see people as you see them. As we sit and we communicate and we talk to God, who is that person Think even now, who is that person that God is moving you to have the type of compassion and love that he wants us to have? Who is that person for you? Think about that. When you have that person's name in your mind, how is God directing you to serve that person? Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's baking them a cake, maybe it's providing a meal, maybe it's just time. Let's let's make a point to do that this week. Let's make a point to do that today. Thank you. Amen.